from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Silver 7's Golden Knights game is up all over the casino. Two different bars, silver and gold across the way. We're at the brand new Bud Light Lounge, 77 cent Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra in the bottles. Got the... Uh, Two dogs, two chips special with a uh, big beer. That's seven seventy-seven. So come on down, enjoy the games because, of course, you got the Golden Knights game and we've got a pivotal game in the AFC West. Raiders fans, I think, are still paying attention. Outside chance that they can have a big run down the stretch if they can get it together. But Chiefs and Chargers, massive game on all the big screens here. So great place to watch football and hockey today as we'll carry it for another hour. We'll give you some plays on the football game and the bowl season with Brad Powers in about 45. Battled Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four, number five. Candy, I really don't know what it's like to be famous. I don't know what it's like to be Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, just in my little world, your little world, Ari's little world, um, if you had a an SO who was constantly chiming in on what goes on on radio was ripping your company, was fighting your battles up on social media, was going around Las Vegas, pulling off like high-profile attempts at, do you know who I am? Do you know who my husband is? At some point, you'd be like, stop, please, please. And I've gone over this time and time again, and I don't think it's going to throw Patrick Mahomes off his friggin' game, but Patrick Mahomes seems like such a good guy, has it so together, and yet his lady and his brother weekly are a giant pain in the ass on social media in some form or fashion. And the latest one, I think a lot of people find hilarious because Jackson tried to pull a, do you know who I am and flex on some local bar restaurant in Kansas city by crapping on them on social media. And I thought what the bar responded back with was friggin' brilliant on the premise that this is a distraction for Patrick Mahomes. Am I going overboard? Because I'll give you the story here in a second. I just I just wonder when you've got to put out mini fires on social media with folks who are around you. It just it, it has to be aggravating. I think Bill Clinton was fine dealing with Roger Clinton. <laughs> I think Sylvester Stallone was fine dealing with Frank Stallone. Dealing like, with Frank. You know, I, I don't think it's that big a deal, man. Like, I just don't. I think Patrick Mahomes has dealt with much stronger criticism in his life than what has come from his brother and his girl. This place uh, went at his bro and said, we're sorry that we – because he said that the staff was rude. They weren't any help. Um, This is Patrick Mahomes' brother. He said, we're sorry that we set boundaries that you tried to ignore. Oftentimes people with unearned status and a sense of entitlement think they're above the rules and will lash out at the employee enforcing them. We're sorry that we could not seat your very large group. And as you probably saw, our bar is very small. We're sorry that you have to reach out that you do, or at least uh, think you need to do, that instead of uh, using it for something positive, you decided to use it and try to freaking crush a small business. We survived a global pandemic. We will survive your ego. We are sorry you didn't reach out to us first before talking to social media. But then again, that is the expectation we would have from a mature and rational person, not someone who pours water on fans and dances on the memorials of tragically lost people for TikTok clout. Boom! Will they be in business in six months, or will will there be a clapback by the Kansas City community uh, for everything Mahomes that they love? 
My God, the sanctimony is so thick you could cut it with a knife. <laughs> uh, the the Jackson Mahomes thing just wears on me, man. But uh, this restaurant wears on me too because, let's be clear, they're clout chasing as well. They could have just let this whole thing roll right by, but they decide to come back and fire at them so they can have their name in the news for a little bit longer too. Let's just be honest here. No one ever won an Instagram fight, and no one won this one either. No. And Ari was right. I was snapping at Ari before the show. Ari, you were right. They put out the snarky response and then apologized for the snarky response. I thought it was in reverse. That's kind of or, uh, my hope is, uh, if I can speak English, I hoped that was what was happening. Um, I don't think the restaurant did anything wrong. Um, and I, I do think that Patrick Mahomes' brother needs to learn a lesson. Just dial it down, dude. Just stop with the Instagram. Calm down. Uh, you're appropriating his fame. Cut it out. The other thing about this is part of it's a story because it's happening in Kansas City. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if he walked into a restaurant in New York and tried to pull this crap? Seriously, man. Like, he'd get laughed out of the place and the restaurant wouldn't care because there would be 200 more people that were so, so much more famous than him walking in right behind him. That's also a lesson, though. In, in lots of cities, uh, the do you know who I am is just it's a stupid move. It's an arrogant move. It's a childish move. It's an immature move. Uh, hell, we got a window into uh, someone's character locally when uh, one of our local football players decided to leave a crappy tip. Someone told a story about it, didn't mention the person's name, and then the person tried to go after, well, it was Henry Ruggs going after Dave Koken. So we, we see how all this worked out in the end. I would have never expected for it to end the way it did. But uh, from a character standpoint, Henry was kind of a fool when he tried to pull a do you know who I am and go after a venerable, legendary, I won't even say media guy, personality, Dave Koken. Top four. Number four. Urban Myers fired. Story's out that kicker Josh Lambeau was kicked by Urban Meyer, was cussed at. This is on the heels of stories that Urban Meyer speaks to his assistant coaches like, uh, you know, many, I'm sure a lot of folks in the audience get spoken to like that in the workplace. And it ain't right in any of those cases. It ain't right. So all of this said, two years from now, can Herb get right back on the horse? Hell, a month from now, Candy. Can Urban Meyer get right back on the horse? Our uh, buddy Tony, check that, Anthony Lima, Sports by Tony, Sports by Tony, on uh, Twitter, threw it out there. He's a Cleveland radio guy. If Ryan Day leaves for the Bears, Ohio State could hire Urban Meyer or Luke Fickle. Who would you take? Come on. That's not even close. You sure? Luke Fickle is one of the hottest names on the market. You bring him back to Ohio State, just stop. 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 Look, if you need to hunt for content, go hunt for content somewhere else. That's such garbage. Urban Meyer wouldn't have a snowball's chance in hell in this offseason. Now, if they hire Luke Fickle and it doesn't work out over the course of the next four years, yeah, then you might be able to see if you can get Big Herb off the bar stool and get whoever's on his lap off and get him to come back to Ohio State. Number three. Anyone... Reading in the news this morning, feel bad for the Jags owner, Shad Khan? Or as Candy said earlier in the show, listen, we're all part of the problem by enabling these behemoths of coaching to act like horses' asses. Most of you still think it's funny that Bill Belichick will mumble his way through a press conference and be disrespectful to people. That's part of the problem. But, yeah, in the case of the Jaguars owner, bruh, 
the information was out there. And then you got even more info when he tried to bring in another abusive clown in this strength coach from Iowa, Chris Doyle. I mean, all the signs were there, Jags owner. Right, Candy? Let's start with the positive about ShadCon, because I think that there's some positive things to be said about the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, a man who is worth $9 billion, with a B, dollars. The man started out at the University of Illinois working at an auto parts factory and ended up turning that into one of the largest auto parts businesses in the entire world. Like, the guy clearly knows what he's doing in one arena. And how many times, Steve, have we seen it happen? When someone gets successful in one business, they come over to sports and they think they know how to do it here too. And it's a completely different why, world. Why is it completely different? Isn't leadership leadership? Employees in the sports world are a lot different than employees in the traditional business world. Like, you don't have an organization in the business world that's a 53-employee company just to pick the amount of players on an active NFL roster out where every one of those players is A, a millionaire, and B, has a union behind them as a millionaire, and okay. C, has been lauded as someone at the very top of their profession for their entire lives when they walk in the door. And then you have a coaching staff that is supposed to bring all of them together and try to execute on the margins of a business where you have 32 teams and the edges that they're looking for are so small that it's like sprinters trying to see who can go 998 and who can go 997. That's what you're doing in the NFL. And so if you don't have exactly the right person, you're in trouble. And Shad Khan didn't have the right person from the jump. And Shad Khan is someone who needs to answer for all of this. Giving a weak statement after spending a year around this guy and having scandal upon scandal come out and then saying, I won't talk until after the season is over so I don't take any of the focus away from the team. The focus hasn't been on the damn team the entire season. It has been on your hand-picked bully who has been running roughshod over the rest of your organization, including your generational number one pick at quarterback. That is what has happened here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. By the way, is part of the problem with some owners not recognizing the horse's ass that is within some of these coaches is the problem that they're a lot closer to each other than we really know. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Yesterday we had Marcus Arroyo on, and he was talking about recruiting and finally getting to meet the families. The first two recruiting cycles, he didn't get to be around the families of the players. He didn't get to go visit them, didn't get to take the players out to just go to a meal. He didn't get to kind of judge the way the player behaves, right? There are simple things that you can read with someone if they're polite, if they show respect for others, if they know how to speak to people who, from a status standpoint, might be above them, might be below them. Is that part of the problem with some NFL owners that they don't have manners, they don't have decorum, they've turned into folks who are just kind of blind to everything? So when they see the coach, they're like, ah, we're kind of similar. They don't see all the negative things. I mean, I, I don't know, man. Maybe someone can tell me Urban Meyer is a freaking sweetheart. And Ari looked up. He was like, uh-oh, there's an F-bomb coming out. Is a freaking sweetheart. But it's only in the football realm when he goes ham and he gets nutty. My guess is that Urban Meyer is probably pretty dismissive of a lot of people. And frankly, 
if you read the excuse making already being thrown out there by his family, you can see that he goes back into a cozy nest and they're like, oh, Urban, you're a victim once again. Oh, Dad, it's the media. It's this out to get you. Is it just that when you get to that level of power, Candy, you just can't see true leadership because maybe you've lost touch with it? All right, let's just go down this thread because what you started, we could do an hour show on just that. But just to go down the thread of what happens when guys like Shad Khan get in the room with guys like Urban Meyer, it has been a very long time, years upon years, since either of those two men had anyone around them who felt comfortable telling them no, who felt comfortable having a contrary opinion. It is not possible. And some folks have earned their way in terms of fortune and finance into a position where they don't have to have anybody around them who doesn't agree with them. There's a reason it's called FU money. And Shad Khan has FU money. And he looks at a guy like Urban Meyer who acts like he has FU money and says, I can see where this guy is a leader. Now, when you talk about someone like Marcus Arroyo, we can bring a third thread that runs through this. And it's that whether it is healthy or maybe beyond healthy, and I'm not here to judge any of the people we're talking about in terms of the health of it, it's ego. There's a certain amount of ego involved. And to be a successful leader of a football team, you damn well better have some level of ego. But there has to be some ability in there to be self-aware at the same time. You can have a big ego and be self-aware. It is possible. We just haven't seen it displayed a whole lot. Number two. So now what happens with the Jaguars? He's got to reverse this thing, hire a good coach, someone who is a mature leader and not old school where you have to belittle everyone to get anything out of them or you think everyone is the same in terms of being motivated I'll admit, right now, I'm a prisoner of the moment. Uh, Anyone who is on the upswing, who has options now or may have options down the road, I don't see them being interested in working for the Jaguars organization. Ari sent over one list. It's a short list. I know I've already seen Josh McDaniel's name thrown out there. This list includes guys like Byron Leftwich, Joe Brady, Eric Bieniemy. Why would any of those guys be interested in this gig? Trevor Lawrence saves the whole organization in terms of interest? Trevor Lawrence saves a lot of it. And the fact that this defense has a chance, at least up front right now, to be somewhat respectable goes a little farther, too. I don't think this is a terrible job. I really don't. If you can walk in there and have a guy who has been the consensus best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck on the roster, then you are walking into a situation where you've already got the player who can make you look a lot better than you might even be as a coach at this point. He might be the guy to carry you, and there aren't a lot of places that you're going to walk into and have that opportunity. So, yeah, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I also want to say it's one thing to go and talk about old school and talk about disciplinarian. This is the same franchise that went to the AFC Championship game with Tom Coughlin as the head coach. You can be the old-school disciplinarian and still have the respect of the locker room. Is it harder in 2021 than it was back then? Yeah, it's much harder. But Urban Meyer was so full of bombast and BS that he was never going to get the respect that a guy like Tom Coughlin got, eventually wore his welcome out with, but certainly had for a while. 
Back to one of the names I mentioned. Josh McDaniels is not taking this job. He's nor should he, he be hired he, for he's, it. He, 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 well, that, that, there's two things here. He's the coach in waiting with the Patriots, and Josh McDaniels works with someone over him, who, as you said, can make him stand out. It didn't work in Denver because there wasn't a strong enough support cast around. He doesn't need a hands-off owner. He needs a structure for it to work. And again, he's got a job in waiting. I think with the Patriots, I, I actually think the job is is probably going to go to someone on the rebound, and that's why there was one other name on the list that Ari sent over, Doug Peterson. Like, that guy would be interested because there's not going to – I don't know how many options are going to be out there for him, and he would get a chance to work with a quarterback. Um, I don't know if I would hire Doug Peterson, but I think it's going to be a guy who's a second-chance guy rather than a first-chance guy. If I were Byron Leftwich, and I know I know I, I like Trevor Lawrence too, or Eric Bieniemy, I don't, I don't think I want to go to that organization. I think Doug Peterson is probably the name that makes the most sense for that organization as someone who has a Super Bowl on his resume, who has a pedigree, whether it's warranted or not, as being a quarterback coach. I think that's a guy who would make a lot of sense down there in Jacksonville. Number one. So much of the last uh, three, four days has been talking about the Raiders and the fight that remains. Candy, do you think this Las Vegas Raider team is still going to fight for themselves and the guy who's now leading them, Rich Passaccia? If you say that the Raiders have stopped fighting, then you have to say why have they stopped fighting. Don't go out there and accuse the Raiders of not having the spirit, the will, the fight, unless you're willing to come up with a reasonable explanation as to why. And to say they've quit on their coach, which is the usual one, doesn't pass test. Doesn't. You can't put that through on the Raiders because they rallied around Rich Passaccia after John Gruden got let go. And so then you look at the Henry Ruggs situation and say, was that a step too far, right? Was that just the one that broke the Raiders in the locker room? They no longer have their deep threat. This one was one too many. I think you got to go back. You got to go back farther than that to understand what's happening to the Raiders right now. And it goes back to Mark Davis. And it goes back to the fact that Mark Davis in the John Gruden situation tried to find the easy way out as many times as he could. And frankly, we've let him off the hook. We have. We have collectively let Mark Davis off the hook for the lack of leadership from the top of this organization on down. And Mark Davis didn't step up for this team during the John Gruden situation. He, in fact, tried to make it go away. I don't know what that did to the locker room. I don't know. I don't know how African-American or white players felt about the owner trying to sweep under the rug a guy in John Gruden who, no matter what he wants to say about the bones in his body, showed himself to be racist, misogynistic, homophobic, and all of the other reasons that he's not here anymore. And so sometimes these things are seeds that are planted that have to grow for a while or to atrophy, as the case might be. And I think this Raiders team isn't playing for anything higher than the paycheck right now. Not to say they're not playing for the paycheck. Not to say they haven't run into a Chiefs team in which twice they have refused to adjust their defense to the strategy that everyone in the NFL has used to slow down the Chiefs this year. It's just to say that in the end, leadership has to start from the top and leadership isn't the interim coach in Rich Passaccia, a guy they've all talked glowingly about. Leadership comes from higher than that. Mike Mayock was a figurehead the entire time John Gruden was here, so it sure as hell wasn't going to be him. It comes from Mark Davis, or in this case, it doesn't. 
It's the Big Five at Four. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 570-9000. It's just one embarrassing incident after another, after another with Urban Meyer, especially over the last, you know, three or four months once the season began. And it's just gotten to the point where, you know, this, this franchise has been the laughing stock of the league for the last 10 years anyway. And this is worse than anything that has happened in those 10 years. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Hey, jingity jing. It's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing. The Italian Christmas donkey. La, 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 Santa's got a little friend. His name is Dominic. Dominic. All right, here we go. Silver Sevens, about 35 minutes from kickoff. Dominic! Candy's here. He's, he's dancing Cofield. Dominic, the donkey, yo! That's great, man. That's great. Lou Monty, right? Or is that Richard Cheese? Richard Cheese is the Christmas in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not sure who sings this. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news all the time, Candy. We're just here to inform people, give some opinions. But I, by the way, that was Mike DiRocco, uh, Jaguars insider, ESPN, talking about the embarrassment that the Jags franchise has been. If I'm correct, Candy, is it nine of ten years that they've actually gone under the win total, which someone could have told me that ten years ago. That would have been nice to know. Yeah, you could have been like Biff in Back to the Future, too. Yep. Yep. Don't we all want to be Biff? If only, if only. But the bear of the bad news thing, listen, the way it's going the last couple of days, I think the next four weeks or so in sports is going to be sucky. Sorry to use the, the word of an 11-year-old, but I mean, how many cancel? Stop! I don't like bad news. It's the holiday season. Uh, Field eights. The Rams placed nine more players on the reserve COVID-19 list, including Von Miller, Jeff Goodman. DePaul's game at Northwestern on Saturday has been canceled due to positive COVID results within the DePaul program. Here in town, the uh, Fortress Classic college basketball deal, North Carolina UCLA is hanging on by a thread. That's a noon game on Saturday at T-Mobile. The Kentucky-Ohio State matchup has gone by the wayside. And the crazy thing is we're coming into bowl season. What the hell is going to happen with the bowl games? And with college basketball, I I think this is going to be the beginning of a really rough month, which I hate to see because college basketball is one of, if not my favorite sport. We're talking to Brad Powers in a few minutes here, and I cannot wait to get his take on how in the world you could begin to think about betting on these bowls, not just because of the COVID situation, but because you've already had players opting out daily to get ready for the draft or go into the transfer portal or or whatever the case might be. You have no idea who's going to be on the field. And it's the same thing this weekend. You have no idea who's going to be on the field. The Rams have 25 players on the COVID list. 25 I don't know who's playing. Football team's like 21-plus. We know the Browns are pushing 15-plus. If you're just tuning in, told you at the beginning of the show, Baker Mayfield out. Case Keenum, he's out too. So now it's Nick Mullins. 
which apparently a lot of people in Cleveland don't even know who Nick Mullins is. We do. He's actually played. It's actually when I I, I don't know the thing on every NFL roster. I guess I'm not doing my job. But when I saw it was Nick Mullins, I'm like, eh, it's not that bad. Well, I remember you bring in Nick Mullins, you get some energy. You always get the energy that uh, that Nick brings to the table. Wait, what's going on here? Oh, you're it, was that sports speak hey. or what the hell just happened there? Oh, Ari knows what I'm talking about. Ari knows exactly what I'm what's talking about. What's the energy? About. What is it? You you get you get that big Nick energy. It oh been, Jesus! It's been referenced more than once, sir. Oh, it's my been God. referenced more than once. Wow! I'm wow! Not, wow! Wow! I'm just repeating what I've heard. I am an innocent sports fan who just shows up here from time to time to repeat things others have told me. This part of the show is brought to you by Nova Home Loans and Nick Mullins. Yes, five seven seven twenty six hundred. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. This is a great time to get the mortgage tune-up. Rates are still very, very low. If you're paying mortgage insurance, come on. Don't be silly. Please, right? There's probably money in your house. Get the lower rates. Get rid of the mortgage insurance. It's also the holiday season, so I'm sure there's some uh, debt still piling up now and from the past, and potentially you can take money out of the house. But you got to call these guys. Dustin DeHart, Nova Home Loans, 577-2600. At the William Hill Race and Sportsbook, sign up for the mobile betting app and get $50 added to your account. Cofield and Company is back. We have an ongoing debate behind the scenes. I'm saying Terry Fader. So keep looking. Keep looking. I get all the facts from YouTube. That's that's where all the uh, facts are, right? What? Uh, Adam Candy, Cofield, we're heading towards Brad Powers. See if he can give us some answers on how to wager right now in the NFL with the COVID issues and college football. It's complete craziness. We're getting ready for kickoff of the Chiefs and the Chargers. Three minus 120, the number right now at the William Hill Racing Sportsbook across the way. You can come down here, open the mobile account. And then you can bet in-game. There's uh, 30 more pregame bets you can make, and in-game wagering is where it's at, baby. It's where it's at. The Super Bowl coming to Las Vegas is where it's at. You know, Candy, I read a number the other day, 2019. You know, we're great with the Super Bowl when it's not here. Uh, 2019, economic value to the city was $425 million. Man, Super Bowl 58 is going to be so much bigger. I can't wait for it to come. Let's go. You agree, right? This is a great thing for Las Vegas. Let me oh, continue no. what you did earlier, Steve. The, the you candy said you dramatic use, pause using is an, dangerous. Using an adjective like from an 11-year-old? Yes. Sucky. This is stupid. <laughs> Hosting the Super Bowl in Las Vegas is flat-out stupid, and it what? comes down to dollars. What? It comes down to dollars and tourism. Steve, when was the last time we had any trouble getting a Super Bowl crowd in Las Vegas? We've never had a problem. It is one of the biggest days of the year. It's kind of quiet last year. Every year. It was kind of quiet earlier this year. Every year in Vegas. That is true. Every year in Vegas, we do very well. I 
I am not going to name this person's name because he did not clear me to do so. I'm going to tell you that I talked to someone who is a very prominent person about knowing the Las Vegas economy. Mm. And this conversation happened roughly four years ago. And this person, who is far smarter than I will ever be, said, why would we want the Super Bowl? Why would we already do great and think about how much money you have to spend to host the Super Bowl. And I think what's important here is that you also keep in mind, we first spent $750 million of tax money on a stadium in the first place. And the NFL likes to come out here and say, hey, big news. You're going to make up to $500 million to host the Super Bowl. Um, economist Victor Matheson was skeptical of those numbers. He ran his own, an economist versus a vague NFL claim, I'll go with the economist, uh, said that your real uh, potential to make money is somewhere between about 30 and $130 million on the Super Bowl. Mind you, we already spent $750 million. Now keep a few things in mind. The ticket money all goes to the NFL. You're purchasing hotel rooms for the NFL. Those are hotel rooms that you are taking offline that probably otherwise would have been filled by paying customers. So let's look at history. Do, do you make money off the Super Bowl? In 2008, Glendale hosted the Super Bowl, lost a million dollars. San Francisco hosted the Super Bowl in 2016. They lost $4.8 million. Vegas does not need the Super Bowl. It's already a major event. Let me tell you something. When the NCAA finally pulls its head out of its rear end and allows March Madness games to be played in Vegas, we are going to tell them, cool, but not on the first weekend. Because the first weekend is the biggest betting weekend of the entire year. And the casinos are not going to want people to be in an arena. They want them in the sports book, betting on the game. Sweet 16? Cool. Yeah. But not that first weekend. And the Super Bowl is the same damn thing in its own right. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Company's eye on sports betting with Brad Powers. Previews and bets for every bowl game, rest of the NFL regular season, preview and picks for every NFL playoff game. Brad Powers, BradPowersSports.com. That's what he's giving you. Weekly newsletter. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Excellent. How are you? Good. I'm fired up about your newsletter. Uh, that said, I'm not that fired up for all of us who are trying to bet these games. My God, COVID, go away. What the hell are you doing, Brad, to adjust your betting habits with these announcements seemingly like every freaking half an hour, especially in the NFL? Oh, wow. I mean, NFL, I mean, obviously, this is the toughest week uh, of the NFL season so far. Not just the COVID, but you look at... You know, I'm not usually heavily involved on double-digit point spreads, and there's a ton of those. Uh, I'll just say this. I've been pretty conservative, uh, to, to say the least, <laughs> in the NFL this week. Uh, tonight's game, 120 is the uh, extra price on the Chiefs at William Hill. It's three. Uh, 54 is the total. Chiefs Chargers, you got to lean, you got to like? Yeah, I lean with the Chargers. I'll take the plus three. Uh, EV there uh you know a short week i know that the game means a lot for both teams but you know i think kansas city's probably back to being a little overvalued with six straight wins four straight covers 
I just on a neutral field, this line's telling you that they're four and a half, five points better than the Chargers, and I just don't think that's the case. Uh, when you're in a situation, I don't know how often you get in this because you're a good better. I'm not, um, and you have a bad situation unfolding like the Browns, right? So, Browns were minus six and a half on Monday. I see it the other day; they're minus three. That was before Baker Mayfield went down. I bet the Browns minus three. Then I bet them again plus one. Now they're plus three and a half. Like, do I just stop? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I think you have enough negative EV bets that I would probably leave it alone at this point. Uh, but I will say this: I think you know we start to see some money now finally come back in on the Browns. I saw it get as high as the Raiders five. So, oh boy! Uh, I, I sometimes I think that at least from the last year plus. I mean, there's sometimes overreaction to COVID, and I have found it sometimes positive. If you can get that inflection point at that highest point uh, of where the COVID steam went, I mean, I got to think you're positive EV fading that at this point. So I'm going to tell you right now, at plus three and a half, plus four, I'm going to leave with the Browns. I think it's an overreaction. See, Candy, I think Powers just said I'm a sharp. Maybe. No, no, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I wouldn't have bet him when everything was going down. I would right. have laid three with him. I'll put it when, when it was completely in flux, and I basically was like, yeah, Mayfield's going to play. This COVID thing, COVID schmovid. He'll, he'll get through it. Nope, he's out. <laughs> um, all right, some bowl games here. Coastal Carolina, Northern Illinois. I feel like there's a lot of people I know on Coastal Carolina. Is that the right play? It's 10 and a half, 11. Well, statistically speaking, I mean, I understand why they're laying that kind of number. But, you know, I just – to me, I'm not sure how motivated they were down the stretch. I mean, this is a team that had a lot of high expectations. They started the season in the top 25, and, I mean, they didn't show much down the stretch covering one of their last six games. I mean, Northern Illinois thrived in the underdog role this year, six outright upsets for them. Uh, I did bet Coastal very early in the process, but I bet numbers, not teams. Current number, I'd lean Northern Illinois. What are we doing this week with the FCS? I'm gonna take. I'm gonna lean both dogs. Not strong plays uh, for me uh, on on the two semifinals, but I think you know North Dakota State's probably a little more overvalued than at least what I have them in the marketplace. They deserve to be favored, obviously, over JMU. But I mean, on a neutral field, I mean, I got close. These two teams close to to pick them. So I mean, you can't award much more than two, three points home field advantage. So lean James Madison, and I just think it's kind of a bad spot. Sooner or later, all the travel for South Dakota State's gonna eventually catch up with them. I mean, this team's going coast to coast. I mean, it's their third straight road game for them. They didn't get a bye like Montana State did a couple weeks ago. Montana State's, you know, playing, you know, at home for the second time in three weeks. So I'm going to lean with Montana State there plus the points. But with that being said, I think you get a North Dakota State, South Dakota State rematch when it's all said and done. Tons of bowl games on Saturday. Let's start with uh, Fresno as high as uh, 12 and a half against UTEP. So, I mean, I bet UTEP early on in the process it probably was one of my favorite bowl picks. But at the time, uh, when I got you know made that bet, I was thinking Fresno State's quarterback, Jay Kaner, wasn't going to play. You still don't know if he's going to play or not, but I'm guessing that he, he's more questionable than doubtful. I mean, he was in the transfer portal, then he took his name out. But, I mean, Fresno State's a team playing with an interim coach uh, and you know the, w- with some other question marks. I don't question UTEP's motivation. This is a program that's not used to playing in bowl games. So, I mean, they're trying to win their first bowl game since 1967. I'll take the double digits here with the minors. I'm sure you're starting to think ahead to next year's power ratings, and a lot of that's going to have to do with the 
quarterback position, where the portal QBs land, also new coaching hires. Did you like Tedford back to Fresno? No, I don't. You know what? I tweeted this out a couple days ago. I'm all for the youth movement in college football. You can tell. Look, I've been an old-school guy. Experience matters and whatnot. I mean, the game has changed so much over the last few seasons that I think all that experience from 2000, 2010, I mean, that, that stuff just doesn't mean anything. So the tweet was this. If you looked at the youngest coaching staffs in college football and you just blindly bet on the five youngest coaching staffs in college football, you went 69% against the spread this year. And those teams all went over their season win total. Just five teams, they went over their season win total by a combined 16 games, three on average. So, uh, yeah, I anybody that's kind of a retread, whether it's Jeff Tedford or some of these older coaches like Don Brown back to Massachusetts, I'm just not a fan of them at, at this point. And at this level and even higher, I'm talking Fresno. And, again, not to be an ageist, because I'm actually, I'll roll myself in, and I'm not Jeff Tedford's age. Man, I don't know if, you know, I'm 60 years old, and I've, you know, I've got like 35 years of coaching under my belt, that I want to have to deal with the transfer portal on my team and around college football and all the other stuff that goes into managing your roster literally 365 days a year. It never friggin' ends. No, I, I'm with you. I, if I was at that point, I mean, it's either, you know, become a position coach in the NFL or just, you know, early retirement. And, you know, I got to, uh, I got to, I, I can't, uh, you know, live maybe vicariously. Uh, you know, uh, I can, you know, I'm not taking a bunch of vacations. I'll put it that way. I'd rather deal with less vacations, early retirement than to deal with the headache that is the, the NIL and the transfer portal at this point. Liberty, nine and a half against Eastern Michigan. I lean uh, Eastern Michigan. I mean, it, it, I've already bet it. it. It'll be if it went to ten, it'd be my favorite bet uh, of Saturday. Uh, I just like Eastern Michigan in the underdog role. Last thirty-nine times, Eastern Michigan's been an underdog. They've covered thirty of them, and they're three and zero against the spread in bowl games uh, as an underdog. They've almost won all three of them outright. I think they'll be motivated. Liberty, I've questioned their motivation, especially down the stretch. They only covered one game in their last six. Lafayette five against Marshall. Tough game. I mean, just a lean for me on the under. I mean, Lafayette's, you know, some are going to say playing with an interim, but he's actually been promoted as the permanent replacement for Billy Napier who's off to Florida. So, I mean, that, that's one that I'm not going to blindly fade the interim coach there. Marshall's a very inconsistent team this year. Uh, I'm just going to go under 55 and a half there. Yeah, we've seen a lot of high totals with the MAC games. Uh, I don't know that Wyoming is a 60-plus point uh, total team, but they're laying three <laughs> against Kent, and it's a 59 total. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, if I had to play the total, I'd lean under. I'm gonna My preference, though, I'm going to lay the three with Wyoming, even though I would argue Wyoming down the stretch is probably the highest variance team in all of college football. Here's a team that lost to New Mexico outright as a 20-point favorite. That was the only game New Mexico covered all season was that game against Wyoming. Then Wyoming beat the Mountain West champ, Utah State. They crushed them by 27 on the road. And then in their last game against a Hawaii team that has all this locker room turmoil, what does Wyoming do? They lose outright by 24 points as a 13-point favorite. So, I mean, take this one with a little bit of a grain of salt. Uh, but I'm going to lean Wyoming because they're used to playing on the Smurf turf. It's a tough travel spot, unique travel spot for Kent State. San Diego State against UTSA. There's some ones out there, mostly twos. Uh, Texas San Antonio's favorite. 
I'm going to lean under uh, McCormick, the outstanding running back for UTSA. He's going to be out now. He's probably worth a half point there. I wanted to bet San Diego State in this game. I just wanted to buy them low after they got their doors blown off of them against Utah State in the Mountain West Championship game. But this point spread's giving them enough respect, in my opinion, so under for me. All right. So let's build on the, the quarterback transfer portal before we get you out of here. San Diego State, to me, is a program. They had a really good year, right? And then they, they, they appeared to be a little bit phony because they couldn't keep up with the Joneses offensively in Utah State. Um, and they had to play a lot of close games this year. I know, like, as an example, Jack Sears is back in the transfer portal. You know, at one point, he actually was going to go to San Diego State from USC instead of Boise. Um, have you seen a quarterback or two already land somewhere where you're like, my God, the difference this dude is going to make of that program? Could it – is, I don't know, like Rattler. Is that already like a five, six-point improvement for South Carolina? Oh, wow, I'm not that big of a Spencer Rattler fan. Okay. But, right. I mean, look, they had really bad quarterback play, though, this yeah, year with that being yeah. said. So yeah. I would say at least a three- or four-point upgrade, so I agree with you there. You know what, one that was just announced kind of today because I thought they were going to be in a really bad spot from a quarterback situation. They were either going to start a true freshman or a true sophomore, LSU, Miles Brennan coming back for for Brian Kelly. That that's worth three, four points. Even though you know I'm not, we haven't seen a ton of Miles Brennan in his career. Yeah, I also wonder if maybe the biggest impacts are going to be if some of the Power Five guys go down to Group of Five. That that said, I've also seen we just yep. mentioned Jack Sears. There are times when Power Five guys go down, and then you find out a Group of Five like they really weren't that good to begin with. They can't even win the job <laughs> at the Group of Five. Yep. So we'll see how it plays out. And there's a lot of. Uh, I, I noticed today I saw some predictions that Dylan Gabriel, um, who's an interesting guy, might land at UCLA, which would make for an interesting battle at UCLA, wouldn't it, if he landed there? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, he's certainly a fit for Chip Kelly's offense. I mean, that would be a good move. I Look, I like Dylan Gabriel. I mean, an accurate quarterback, a lot of experience. That'd be a good move for the Bruins. BradPowerSports.com is where you can find all the information on Twitter, He's making comments, giving out stats all the time. The comments are the best part, though. And uh, congrats on your new uh, Twitter follow total. It's very impressive. Oh, yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> try to be different. So yeah. I, I I go according to FBS stadium capacities and f- comparing it to my Twitter followers. Brad, um, let's say we'll talk next week. I, I, know you're, uh, I know you're a holiday guy, but try to squeeze us in, okay, on Thursday? We'll talk to you next <laughs> Oh, week. yeah, yeah. All Nothing right. like you when it comes to the holidays. So, yeah, I know. If you have a show, not. I'll be on it. Yeah, ah, there you go. Exactly, exactly. Santa Cofield around the holidays. Brad wants in. All right, Brad, we appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me on. Take care. See, some people yeah, remember my, my festive nature. I, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who have been around long enough to remember. Uh, I would <laughs> say uh, one thing to add to what you guys are talking about, Dylan Gabriel to UCLA is confirmed. Did I miss something? Is DTR out or what? I do not know the answer to that. All I know is there were fancy, splashy pictures all over social media yeah. of Dylan Gabriel in a UCLA uniform. Yeah, from I him. looked. I looked this morning about seven hours ago, and uh, the prediction was uh, Dylan Gabriel. So we'll see no, what happens with, D- with DTR. You can't look at anything seven hours ago today, Steve. Well, Everything is happening in the last half hour right, right. all day long. It's crazy. Totally crazy. All right, Candy. Good job. So your official play on this, you're going under. I already played it under fifty-four and a half. All right. I actually, well, you got to realize, I make bets sometimes so that I can win either way. I'm getting ready to go home. I'm going to walk into a hornet's nest. If the Chargers, because I live with a Charger fan, if they don't get off to a good start, like you think I'm intense about sports, oh, boy. 
I can't even describe it. The grumpiness, the cussing, the yelling. I'm not saying it's going to go like full Urban Meyer on me, but it could be close. 